the amazing thing about Twitter is that you have a real opportunity to kind of get a presence that is outsized. So it's it's a really democratic platform. Welcome to The Wagon Live. This week, we have Alice Beverton Palmer, Senior Entertainment Partnerships Manager at Twitter, speaking to us. If you're wondering how B2B partnerships can help tech companies transform for the better, you're in the right place. Alice has over a decade's experience in digital content and media, as well as multiple awards and accolades to her name. Twitter was founded in 2015 and serves public conversation, a force for good around the world. Keep listening to hear her story. So I work with publishers and TV networks um, in the UK, helping them bring the best possible content to Twitter, helping them to monetize it. We kind of match make um, content, so everything from Love Island to the Brit Awards um, with brands, with advertisers, um, and also helping them innovate and make the most of the platform. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really fun role. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, I mean, obviously, Twitter is one of the biggest social media platforms and you'd be hard pressed to kind of find someone that hasn't heard of it um, used by like so many people. But is it, you know, what's it like to work for such a well-known company? It is funny. So um, before I started working at Twitter, I'd already used it for, I think, about eight years. Um, So I was definitely a Twitter stan before I started. And even when I went in for interviews, um, we've got like the retweet symbols um, on our like meeting room windows. So it definitely feels like you're like inside the belly of Twitter. Um, so it's, it's great and it's great working for a global company. Um, obviously it started in America, but Twitter is very much an international service. Um, and it's lovely being able to visit offices in other countries and see the work that, um, that my team, the partnerships team are doing with like their equivalent of Love Island. So for example, in Brazil, like Big Brother's absolutely huge, um, and like just seeing the cool things that people do with the platform all over the world is amazing. Yeah, there's so much happening on there. Um, Obviously, like Twitter is a huge, huge company, um, but you you kind of have the same struggles as other companies in terms of trying to keep everything interesting. Um, So how would you constantly be sort of refreshing your branding? Um, I don't, I don't think Twitter ever has a problem with not being interesting. Um, one of the things I really love about working in tech is how much things change. Um, so, you know, I work on to keep with Love Island as the example, like I've worked with ITV on that for a few years now and every year we come back to it and obviously like the program gets tweaked every year but Twitter itself as a platform is always changing um, and we always have new amazing um, bits of functionality or even like just creative ways that people are using the platform so for example I don't know if you saw the um, be Beyonce's assistant for the day like choose your own adventure thread I didn't actually. <laughs> okay, well, I'll I'll send I'll put I'll pop the link in the chat um at the end of this, but just a regular Twitter user created this amazing thread that was like, "Could you survive a day as Beyonce's personal assistant?" And it was so so funny, and it was so in depth, and it was like you would say, you know, you made a decision like, "Do you send her swimming or to the recording studio?" And it would say, "Oh, you've been fired, or you've made it to the next round," and that was just with like regular tweets. So the creativity is absolutely mind-blowing and we've since developed that into a kind of 
I think we were doing it anyway, but we're pushing that now as a kind of format that we work with partners on. So there was a, a thread venture, as we call them, about BBC um, Glastonbury the other week. So it was a time travel adventure through Glastonbury over the years. And then at the end, it would suggest um, a Glastonbury set to watch on BBC iPlayer, which was really cool. Um, so I think one, when you ask specifically about branding, um, I think that's something that there's a core message of what Twitter is about and it's about the amazing varied audiences that use it um, and that anyone who's engaging with Twitter, whether that's a publisher or a celebrity or a brand, you need to start with them. You need to start with the audiences who use the platform. Um, and then I think also just in terms of how up to date it is, like it's it's absolutely up to the second in terms of news and what's happening in the world. So obviously after, over the last few months, like things have changed beyond recognition and in the trends tab in the moments tab um, we have specific areas for covid as an example and when elections happen we'll have a section for those so being able to get that news out to people is what twitter's always been about but hopefully we just refine the functionality that that powers that to help people get the information as quickly as possible and as effectively as possible yeah, it's crazy how how many times I actually get the news from Twitter before the news alerts on my phone. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sometimes you're like, I'm sure there'll be an article about this in 20 minutes time. But like right now, it's it's just tweets. Um, it's like the first source for, for trying to figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, that's all really interesting. Um, would your role actually have, would you have interactions with the the tech team within your role? So it totally depends. I mean, we're one company. Um, we like to say that we're one team. So we all work together really closely um, whenever there are new product developments. So, for example, um, we recently launched voice tweets um, and the partnerships team, especially the team who work with celebrities um, and public figures, um, worked with them to help launch the product. Um, so you might have seen a tweet. Um, oh, I'm trying to think what the coolest voice one was. There was a really cool one that was like an answer phone message for your Twitter, which was like something that I'd never thought of before. But I think someone put it as their their pinned tweet and it was a recording of a message for like when they're away from Twitter. Um, and another product that we released recently um, was conversational controls um, to help people kind of control the flow of, of people who can reply to the certain tweets that they send. Um, so uh, Lil Nas X of Old Town Road fame um, used that and kind of wound people up. So he just did a tweet, which was, I think it was like, who wants a million dollars, but then didn't let anyone reply. So obviously that was like driving all of his fans crazy. Um, so that's really fun because, you know, our amazing engineers create those products and then hopefully our team in partnerships helps them get the best possible launch and use in the wild to inspire everyone to use them yeah that's, that makes sense um obviously as well like the digital age like it's constantly evolving um and you've been working in it for a number of years yourself um so how do you sort of personally see it like after those those years working in the industry um and and specifically sort of what would your advice be um, to make the best of it as a, as a smaller brand? 
Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I think so. I started actually in the media in magazines. So I was um, editing digital for magazine brands. Um, so I launched the Twitter feed um, for Runners World magazine, for example, I think about 10 years ago. And back then it was super text based. So I would say like the, the biggest evolution that I've seen hasn't necessarily been in like what people post. Like I said, it's so up to the minute. Um, but in terms of it being uh, video, um, images, GIFs, like back in the day, you had to upload an image to a separate website and then put a link in your tweets. <laughs> and now, like the amount of people who watch video on the platform is absolutely huge. Um, with things like the Women's World Cup, I think we were the social platform where most people watched video from the Women's Football World Cup, which is amazing because I don't think we've always necessarily been seen as a very visual platform we've been seen as much more wordy um, and what I love is that because we've had that heritage it's now completely enmeshed and you can watch what you're talking about and what's trending right there on the platform. Sometimes as well just like a little 20 second video is can be far more informative than just trying to like get it all out onto text. Totally um, and in terms of like you know, being a small business and and using Twitter. Um, so my previous role before Twitter actually was a quite a small startup called Hubbub. Um, so we were a food delivery startup in London. Um, there were less than 20 people in the company. Um, so I was doing all the kind of communications, including social media. Um, and it, I think the amazing thing about Twitter is that you have a real opportunity to kind of get a presence that is outsized so it's it's a really democratic platform um if you do something cool and if you build a following like anyone can do that someone can come from nowhere um and get a really loyal following just from just from being good at the platform that doesn't actually that's kind of I guess it's it's like how I think of eating healthily just because something simple doesn't mean it's easy so just saying that everyone has access to Twitter um, and you just have to be good at it um, to to build a platform for yourself it still requires um, a lot of hard work um, I know like from a lot of my friends who work in the media and work on social um, there can be a perception that you just need to go viral just do a viral go viral and obviously um, there's a lot of skill involved in that and there's a lot of kind of understanding that you need of digital culture internet culture and the way people think and behave online um, so I think and this is this is going to sound really silly but I think just spending a lot of time on Twitter um, which when I came for my interview, I was just like, oh my God, all that time I spent like wasting time on the internet was actually useful. It was research because things, things do move really quickly. And especially if you, if what you want to do as a brand is engage with meme culture, then you really need to be like up to the minute um, in order to be credible in that space. Like, I don't know if you've seen the last few days, if you've been on Twitter the last few days, um, everyone's been talking about things being cake. And if you went away for a holiday and turned off your Twitter, you'd come back and be like, why on earth is everyone talking about cakes that don't look like cakes? Um, but these things just kind of sweep through the platform um, and everyone gets carried away with them. Yeah, I definitely jump on a few, a few of the trends every once in a while. Um, I mean, would you have any sort of specific advice for someone who'd be wanting to work in a, in a similar role? Like 
in a tech content um, or entertainment sort of role? Yeah, I mean, I would say the great thing about tech now in 2020, and obviously it's a fast moving industry, but an increasingly mature one, is that there's all different types of roles. So if you have skills or a background in marketing, say, or communications or even legal, like all of those functions have have roles in tech companies so you know if you have this understanding of internet culture and a passion for it um, then there may well be a role for you at a tech company um, I think in terms of partnerships um, it's really interesting like I know you know we've had people move over from the companies that we work with so you know tv networks um, that kind of thing so I think I think it's just having an open mind I guess and I think a lot of it is about the culture as well there's definitely I think a common culture um, to Twitter um, that cuts across the different job roles that cuts across the different offices um, and means that like you can visit another office that you've never been to before and and feel at home because of that vibe of the company um, which is really special. Yeah that is really special. Um, would you like in, in terms of projects you've worked on, is there is there anything that you're sort of particularly proud of or enjoyed um, in particular? Yeah, so um, I've worked, so I'm personally a big fan of the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> um, and so it was, it was pretty much career goals um, to become the person who looks after Twitter's relationship with Eurovision. Um, that was a real like pinch myself moment when I got to go backstage there with my lanyard on and be like, oh my God, I'm getting paid for this. Um, but it was really cool, like just building that relationship and seeing things like, um, you know, a couple of years ago in the contest, um, they called out to like their TV audience of 200 million people um, to tweet in about the contest, um, you know, we had the hashtags up on screen so that was just a really good example of like how we can integrate twitter into these amazing like cultural juggernauts um and so yeah working with them has been a real highlight every year yeah because i mean twitter really it has a presence in in pretty much every big event in some sort of way um you must have been gutted then this year when your vision didn't go ahead it was yeah it was an emotional roller coaster but it was do you know what that was something that really showed for me um people's ingenuity because the weird thing was there was actually more eurovision programming on tv than there ever has been because all of the broadcasters like pulled out the stops and actually there was an amazing one of the things that's amazing that i love about twitter is all of the fans on there and eurovision has so many fans on twitter um and one of them actually created something called eurovision again um which was that a group of fans would get together using the hashtag eurovision again every saturday night during lockdown and watch an old contest and it did so well that Eurovision themselves took notice and they ended up uploading for the first time so like contests that had never ever been on YouTube before had never been rebroadcast so like the one where ABBA won for example that hadn't been seen by anyone since the 70s and then everyone's getting together on Twitter and it was literally started um, by a fan in London who just kind of put out a tweet and said, hey, would anyone be interested in like watching along and having a chat on Twitter? And then a few weeks later, it's this huge thing. And they've literally had like hundreds of thousands of tweets, like millions of views. 
And that for me was like, it kind of reignited the fact that things, great ideas can come from anywhere and kind of catch light on Twitter. Yeah, almost keeps it going even when the event's not happening. Embarrassingly, actually, I only during lockdown found out that ABBA had one Eurovision. So that was probably uh, <laughs> through Twitter. And that that user will definitely be vying for a backstage pass next year. Yeah, I'm definitely. Sure. He's definitely earned it. He'll be right there with you. Um, in terms of sort of outside of your career, obviously, everybody has interests outside of work or we, we like to think we do anyway. Um, and I know you're very involved in equality for women which is sort of a particularly prominent issue um, within the tech world. Um, have you any sort of specific ideas or thoughts on how you think there can, that we can make things change? Oh my God, that's such a big question. <laughs> um, I think sometimes it's hard to see the, the bigger picture when you're in it and you can only like respond to what's in front of you at you know in your situation in your career and what feels right but I do think it's really important to to lift up other women um and you know for men to um to support women because there may be it's very hard to see the opportunities that, you know, I may have more opportunities because I'm a white woman or, you know, I'm in the UK. And so I think everyone just keeping an eye out for one another and informing each other of opportunities. And I saw a really good tip um, the other day, which was just a good way of if you spot that something seems unequal or you know a, either a panel or an event or a meeting doesn't seem to have a lot of, of diverse perspectives saying to someone like did you notice that or you know did you notice that everyone in that meeting was white or did you notice that I was the only woman in the room and it sort of opens up the discussion in a way that kind of puts an emphasis on the other person to respond but also leaves things quite open and I thought that was a really good diplomatic but also effective way of like forcing that conversation yeah almost just kind of presenting it as a, a thinking point um and then just leaving them to kind of re make the realizations themselves I guess um, yeah totally and I think also you know just just being really I think having kind of diverse voices in the room is really important. Um, so like just making sure that the people you follow on Twitter, that it's a diverse bunch of people, you know, um, the people who you talk to and listen to, um, there's all sorts of angles that you just may not see. So for example, like I keep going back to Love Island, but it's because it's <laughs> so huge on Twitter and it's been such a big part of like the zeitgeist in the UK the last few years. But like um, one of the real joys of, of watching Love Island is having Twitter open at the same time um, and specifically what the black, what black Twitter in the UK and like how they respond to it and all the memes and the kind of analysis of the dynamics within Love Island. Um, so I think kind of working with influencers like from black Twitter and just being aware of this whole other like cultural layer that's going on um, with the show really adds something. Yeah, it's it's so funny to to sort of uh, search through Twitter in the breaks and then you realise that everybody else has kind of been saying the exact same things that, that you've been saying, but they've made a really funny meme out of it. <laughs> yeah, how do, I mean, how do people do it so quickly? I like, like, how did you turn that around within like 20 seconds of someone saying something? Yeah, the sentence has barely left their mouths and there's a meme. 
<laughs> it's literally always yeah. the way. Um, you're also a DJ, I hear. Um, I mean, is that, do you manage to combine your passion and your daily job at all? Or is it just kind of how you sort of relieve after a particularly stressful day at work? Um, I don't really know how much sort of the two can overlap. Um, there's actually someone on um, the Twitter team in Chicago who is an amazing DJ and um, I think she's DJed some Twitter events so uh, that's the goal um, but yeah so I DJ at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern um, here in London um, when it's open in normal conditions um, so that you're right it's it's kind of blowing off steam but also that was actually a gig that I found through my personal use of Twitter. So the the club night itself is called Push the Button. Um, it has a Twitter account, which is really funny and surreal and tweets about all the same kind of like early noughties pop culture that I love. And so I started following it. After about six months, I was like, I should actually go down to this club night. These people like seem to have the same taste as me. Um, and I went and never looked back really. And after a couple of years, um, I'd become friends with the guys that run it. Um, they asked me to DJ. I'd never DJed before. Um, and I was like, I guess I'll guess I'll have to learn. Um, so it all came out about quite organically and and because of Twitter. And I think it's actually that's a really good point especially like I say in terms of small brands which is like think of what your voice is and what your brand is and like if your voice is a silly fun club night where they play a certain kind of music what does that look like on Twitter what does that look like in terms of memes in terms of conversation because you can express the same personality in different ways on different platforms. Um, but it's it's that kind of spirit that you need to channel. Yeah. I mean, you obviously have um, an interest in sort of the arts in general. Um, everything that you, you do inside and outside of work seems to be quite creative. Um, and actually, I heard as well that you were part of a committee. Um, was it for the Edinburgh International Television Festival? Am I getting that right? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. So it's um obviously in Edinburgh in the summer and August, there's so much going on um, in terms of theatre and comedy and the arts. And um, there's also a big TV industry festival, which is where a lot of the big announcements um, get made. Um, there's a lot of kind of industry panel discussions um, and they have a committee organising the events um, with a subcommittee for digital people. Um, so I sat on that a couple of years ago um, with people from other TV networks, um, other platforms who have a kind of interest in the overlap and the intersection um, between digital and social and TV. Well, that's so interesting. And it sounds like a yeah, really it was fun experience. Yeah. And like, you know, the conference sessions um, are so fascinating. Like if you're a kind of nerd like me about entertainment, you, you get to hear like how TV decisions get made um, and ask the questions of the kind of people who are commissioning like amazing inventive TV. Talk, talk to the people who are running Eurovision and Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, perfect. Well, we have actually, I've just seen, we ha actually have quite a few um, questions coming in from our viewers. Um, let me just see here what we've got. Um, so the first question is, how does one get the job at Twitter? Um, so I will obviously hand that over to you. 
Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and I'm sure there are like 100 different ways um, of answering it. Um, the simplest one is that we have a website, um, careers.twitter.com. Um, so if you go on that, you can search by uh, market, so by location um, or by team um, and find the opportunities that we currently have. Um, and obviously, if you send in your CV for one, um, then we'll have it on file. Um, I think one of the really cool things that's definitely worth mentioning at the moment um, is that um, we've announced that home working will be available forever. Um, so if you're really enjoying um, your lockdown situation and not having to battle with a commute, um, then you can work remotely and from home at Twitter. So there have been some like amazing examples um, of people basically pitching to be able to do their job remotely um, at Twitter even before this, um, which I think is really cool. I think it really levels the playing field. It means you don't necessarily have to move to a big, expensive city um, in order to to thrive in tech, which is really cool. Yeah, I imagine lots of people will sort of be availing of that option. Um, so we have another question, actually. Um, about whether you had any tech skills before you started working at Twitter and what it was sort of particularly that um, attracted you to, to the company? Um, it's a really good question. Um, so I worked in magazines and on magazine websites long enough ago and um, you actually had to know some HTML to do things like add pictures into articles. Um, the, the CMS, the content management systems, um, were pretty basic at that time and pretty eccentric. Um, so that was the kind of extent of my tech skills. Um, that I knew my way around the HTML required to upload an article. Um, it's not something that um, I necessarily, it's hard to know how much the kind of sensibility helps in terms of like knowing what, what kind of content um, gets uploaded. But then to be honest, it's interesting because we've seen this explosion of video. And I think if you work in media, the kind of tech skills that might be relevant maybe fall into a couple of camps you know one of which is like video production and editing which is an incredibly useful um these days um and the other i think it's interesting i think it's it's not just about technical skills per se it's about having an understanding of the types of content and the types of audience and language um, that there is online so you know whenever I've met youtubers and kind of youtube creators and influencers for example in the line of my work I've been amazed like how hard a lot of them work and like the depth of the tech skills that they have I think it's really interesting actually and I promise I won't mention Eurovision again, but um, I thought it was really fascinating, um, you know, when everything shifted to having to be produced at home, um, the influencers, so Eurovision worked with um, an influencer called Nikki Tutorials, and like, because she's so used to producing everything herself, the standard of the quality that she was putting out from home was amazing. So I think, you know, I'm, all, I'm also a podcaster myself and I think there is a lot to be said for, you know, being self-taught and knowing your way around the actual creation of the content that you work on, um, you know, because you just have a lot more control over it. Um, so in turn, that was a very long way of saying um, <laughs> that my, my role at the moment isn't necessarily based around tech skills. Um, it's much more about relationship building and like knowledge of culture. Um, 
but um I guess I am a bit of a nerd and I think it it really can't hurt to be honest and um, to have that level of understanding of what's going on under the bonnet yeah I think all of us sort of tuning into the um the wagon podcast have a bit of a nerdy side so we can really <laughs> um so actually a quite a good question sort of to lead on from that is what would your advice be for how um the current like coding bootcamp students could utilize Twitter um to help us get a job yeah that's a really really great question um I would say build using Twitter is an amazing way of building your network and sometimes it's a bit of a long game and you can't necessarily see the fruits of your labor but the more that you use Twitter as a conversational platform to meet people who have shared interests, um, you're kind of laying a foundation for, for building relationships that may come in handy in the future. And like, you never know who's watching, you never know who's kind of watching with interest what you tweet about and what you're working on. So, you know, to mention my podcast again, like when I launched that and I was looking for guests because it's an interview podcast, um, I interview women in queer culture. Um, it was actually amazing to be like, well, hang on. I actually, I know a lot of people in the podcast industry who I can ask for advice. And that was absolutely amazing. Like people really showed up you know, I think if you ask people for advice, um, a lot of people take that as a compliment um, because you're really complimenting their skills um, if you're coming to them and asking what they think and how they can help you. Um, and the other is just um, the number of people who I knew who, you know, would either be amazing guests or new amazing people. So I think that the best way of using Twitter is is fairly like organically just in terms of finding like-minded people who work in the industries that you're interested in that have shared interests and just seeing where it goes and that's quite a long game and it might take a few years but you might get to like five years down the line in your career and maybe you're looking to hire someone and you actually have an amazing pool of candidates or you know people who can recommend people so it cuts both ways yeah so really consistency on the platform is kind of key um in terms of of getting a job a job out of it maybe in the end yeah and you might like to I mean so anyone who follows me like would know that I tweet about all kinds of things you know I don't necessarily have like a professional twitter it's a lot though about what I work on like which is arts and and pop culture and tech um so it's up to you to make the decision of what you want your Twitter to be like. And if you work in different industries, professional is going to look different. If I worked in the law or if I worked in banking, um, my style of tweeting might not go down very well. Um, but do what feels right for you and you will attract people who who are like you, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah and so many different industries have different tones of voice. So just kind of about understanding um, the right tone of voice for the industry you're you're sort of applying for. Okay, we actually have loads of questions here. Let's see what else we've got. Oh, this might be a bit of a controversial one. <laughs> um, so someone has asked, is Twitter worried about the rise in popularity of TikTok for sharing content, particularly um, for the younger generations? It's, you know, it's funny, actually. So everyone I work with at the broadcasters or at the events like the Brits, like they are the digital and social team. So I know that they work with my counterparts at Instagram 
Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Um, but whenever I have meetings with them, they like mention the other platforms like really sneakily. And I'm like, I know you work with all of us. And the way the way I look at it is that all the platforms are different and it's really bad practice to upload the same piece of content across you know, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, because they're different platforms that do different things and they do different things really, really well. So I think there are some things that only Twitter can do. So if you look at speed, for example, of news and information, like the way that Twitter's algorithm works compared to Instagram's, for example, means that Twitter is always going to win there, but Instagram might win on another level. So I would say, I mean, for me personally, like, I think if you're a geek and you love tech and you love social media, like, it's always good to see that social media is thriving. I think mm -hmm. that's the key thing, really. Um, and, you know, also, yeah, that I think, like I said before about brand, um, you're going to express your brand differently on different platforms. And hopefully it just leads to like more creativity and more people in online communities. Yeah, I agree. I actually thought it was really sort of interesting how um, quickly it blew up because I I kind of thought, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, maybe maybe I should be hush hushing a bit more. But I thought those were the well-established social media platforms and there was not really any room for like another competitor to come in and um take not even take any of the market but just sort of make a name for themselves so it's interesting to see that in such an established marketplace you can still have new businesses coming in and and as you said it's just like another aspect of it that's really interesting if you have the nerdy side that I think we both do <laughs> um okay let's see I think we have a few more non-political questions that we can ask <laughs> So any new exciting products or services in the pipeline? We don't want to get you into trouble, but. <laughs> um, so I have been really like amazed and impressed actually at the products that we've managed to launch as a company um, while we've all been working from home during lockdown. So um, I mentioned the conversational controls, um, but also we launched voice tweets recently, which is really cool. So I think there's always going to be a process of like launching things across the platform, then being refined, um, everyone getting access to them. So I think voice tweets and conversational controls are two really exciting things um, that we've literally just launched. Um, so I would say have a play around with those um, because the potential for creativity for both of those is like barely even started to be explored so have a play with those um I think also it's interesting there's there's always and like you know as engineers I'm sure um people will be aware of this the amount of work that goes on kind of under the bonnet so um we have an amazing tech team um based normally in London actually um that works on like the quality of images and video and what that allows is for high quality video to be viewed um, over a lower internet connection. And that's amazing for making Twitter more accessible around the world. So, you know, say if you're on India in India and you're on a mobile phone um, and you don't quite have the same speed of connection um, that we might do here in the UK, you can still watch like 
clips from a cricket game or you can still watch like music videos and it will look really high quality without using as much of your data um but that's a change that like a hell of a lot of work goes into it's transformative but you might not even really notice it because all it's doing is just making the service better and better for everyone yeah it's the sort of thing that you'd be like oh this is great to have but you don't realize how much work has actually gone into making well, it happen. yeah or it's like um I'm trying to remember what it's called there's like an internet archive I think it's called like the Wayback engine and you can look at old web pages and I think one of the things with the internet is that because things are always being updated like really subtly gradually a bit at a time we're like replacing this here and upgrading that there you have to go back a few years and you look at an old an old version of Twitter and you're just like, oh my God, that felt so modern at the time and it looked so slick to us. Um, everything's changing all the time and you just, you don't, you can't quite see it until you look back. Yeah, I actually recently found an old phone of mine. I think it was literally like an iPhone 3 or something, the, the curvy one yeah. um, that, that would not work anymore at all. But the, I mean, the screenshots on, of it, on it of the different um social media platforms I was like that is unrecognizable it's it's just it just does not look slick at all it wouldn't cut it these days I know I know and also like you know when I was talking about even like tech skills that you need to publish amazing content like it's easier than ever to create absolutely amazing like photos video audio like all from home um it's amazing yeah literally if I if I go on iMovie I think I've got some sort of career in video but it's there's so <laughs> yeah. much more out there um okay I think we only have sort of one more question and um, actually this is a really interesting one um someone has asked how big the companies sort of need to be so that Twitter will will work with them it it totally depends on like what kind of function that we're talking about um so we actually have a team called Art House who, um, in the same way that I work with the likes of the BBC or the Brit Awards, um, they work with amazing creators. So they might work with individuals. Um, and the cool thing there is that I think there's a there's a view of uh, online influencers where it's all about the like Zoellas and the people with millions of followers um, but they work with some like illustrators and artists who don't necessarily have a massive following but do have so much creative talent um, and they create campaigns for brands so they're absolutely incredible they might be like paper folding artists or cartoonists um, who can turn around like brand campaigns, pieces of creative um, for the advertisers that we work with. Um, so they might have what looks like a comparatively small number of followers, but they're really important partners um, of Art House and of us as a partnerships team. Um, so yeah, it, it really depends on like what kind of situation um, you're talking about. Um, but there's definitely like, yeah, it's, it's not just about the numbers, put it that way. Yeah, I guess a lot of the time it, it kind of comes down to sort of quality over quantity. Um, just because you have 100,000 followers doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be putting out the, the best sort of content. And also, like, there's a there's a kind of funny toss-up sometimes with, you know, a lot of uh, professional social media managers who I know who, in their day job, create content that gets, like, an insane amount of engagement and travels the world. But 
because that's where they're putting their creative energy, they might only have like a few hundred followers on their personal Twitter or Instagram. So I think people can get really bogged down by like their personal numbers and the idea that you have to build a personal brand. And I'm sure that doesn't hurt. Um, but also like the key thing is like, what, what work are you putting in professionally? Because that's, that's what matters really. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, we've actually just got one new question. Um, so what would be your advice for people looking to change their career into web development or software programming? So that's actually come from um, one of my course mates. Um, uh. so it might just be something that um, we're kind of all interested in, in sort of hearing you answer just personally. So like, as you know, and as you all have worked out um, from the conversation, um, like neither of those are areas um, that I work in specifically. Um, so I would say have a look at our career website, um, take a look at the kind of requirements um, for the roles in those areas that we have. Um, I guess the other interesting thing is think about the the type of company you want to work for and the scale of company that you want to work at. So the previous company I worked at um, before Twitter, as I mentioned, um, was a startup of fewer than 20 people. Um, that was at a certain stage in its growth. And one of the people who, who ran that startup kind of said, people who work in startups have a stage that they love. So it may not be like what the company does and what the the app or the service or whatever is actually giving to the customer it may be like I really love being at the really scrappy stage when there's like three people in the room and we can't really afford to pay for the heating but everything's <laughs> incredibly exciting and you know you can really pitch in and and change things um like yourself in a really hands-on way or you might prefer working at a bigger companies so like I've been at Twitter for four years and the investment in each of us and our career development is absolutely incredible and part of that is because it's a big company so um for example i went on two amazing um like residential career development courses um for women um emerging leaders within twitter and that's something that the scale of the company obviously it's also the values of the company that's really important too or you know it's a priority to Twitter to develop women um, but the scale of the company enabled them to put on that course that was attended by I think about 40 colleagues from around the world so like I'm afraid I can't help with like the specifics <laughs> of the technical side of your career um, but as someone who's worked in like two very very different tech companies I would say maybe do some work experience and, and have a think about the pace and the kind of values and the structure of the work that you want to do in the company you want to work at. Yeah, definitely that the company is just as important as the actual job role when you're looking for sort of new opportunities. Yeah, I heard um, someone said to me a little while ago, like, it doesn't matter which seat you're sitting in on a rocket ship. You just want to be on that ship and strapped in if it's, if it's going to go for the stars. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective. And like one of the things I've noticed about some of the people who've worked at Twitter the longest, you know, people who've worked at Twitter for seven or eight or nine years is the variety of roles that they've done. So I think, you know, if you find a place that really suits you and you just want to be useful to that company and you believe in its mission, then 
being quite open and flexible to the type of role that you might do um, can open up some amazing paths in your career. Like, for example, I'd never worked in partnerships before I worked at Twitter. I'd worked in the industry that the role was going to be doing partnerships with. So that's kind of how I got in. And then within a few months, um, my role changed quite dramatically. It became much more like commercial and sales focused. And at the time I kind of questioned, you know, is this what I want to do? And I, like you say, I was just like, I, w- I know I want to be at Twitter and I know I'm not like nearly done with, with working here and also working with these partners and working in partnerships. So I kind of gave it a go and that was three and a half years ago. So yeah. And you're still there. So they're obviously doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Still there. Still very happy. Thanks for listening to Lewagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. 